Oh me, oh my! Look at that fish! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smalley Talk Podcast. This is your host, Josh Shrinko. I have my co-host here, Christian Vaughn. What's up, Christian? Hey, what's up, buddy? All right, so uh, on the phone or on Skype, uh, we have Dan Considine. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Dan? Uh, no, it's Considine. I was not even close. <laughs> I, I, I asked if you prefer Dan or Daniel before our phone conversation, but I, right. I should have asked about the last name. So, uh, so no anyway, so we got we got Dan on the phone, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, the status of the White River here in the Indianapolis area, sure. and some initiatives that uh, Citizens Energy, Energy Group is undertaking along with the city of Indianapolis, but. Uh, First, you know, I want to explain if maybe the audio might come through a little bit weird for our listeners. Uh, we have a, a technical issue with one of our microphones, so uh, if it sounds weird, you know, don't don't send us a message saying you guys suck. I'm not listening to you anymore. One star review. Just just don't listen if it, if it bothers you. Just just don't listen. So so anyway, so we got Dan on the phone here. So Dan, why don't you kind of give us a little bit of, of information about? Uh, your position with Citizens Energy Group sure. and, and a little bit about your background. Uh... Sure. So I'm a manager of corporate communications at uh, Citizens Energy Group. So I'm in uh, focus on public relations, media relations, um, been with the company for almost uh, going, on, going on 18 years. Um, I'm uh, also a avid smallmouth bass fisherman like you fellas. Nice. Ooh, we um, like to hear that. Spend a good deal of my time when the weather's warm and the water's down uh, out on the White River. So On the uh, on the clock or do you have to clock out for that? Oh, I, I clock, <laughs> clock out for that. I can't track that up to research, at least not yet anyway. All right, uh, good but deal. I'm really I'm really excited to talk to you you fellas because uh, my, uh, the company I work for is making uh, really historic investments uh, that, are gonna, that's, that are already beginning to improve water quality on the White River. Um, and uh, you, you're just going to see um, really a transformation in the river over the next uh, decade or so. Um, you know, I was reading online... Uh, here this afternoon, uh, an old uh, article from USGS about the history of the White River and, and the fish population. And in the article, it said that between 1972 and 1993, across the state of Indiana, $1.8 billion was spent on sewage treatment plants to, uh, uh, you know, along um, uh, municipal sewage treatment plants. Uh, you know, which have historically discharged to the White River. So that's between 1972 and 1993. Um, between 2012 and 2025, when we complete the Dig Indy project here in Marion County, we we will have invested over two billion dollars. So that's so that's more than was spent over a 21 year period. Um, from 72 to 93. So wow. it's going to have a, a quite an impact on the river, which I can talk about uh, further. Yeah, that's awesome. So w- what's your educational background, Dan? Are you, do you have a communications degree or do you have a science background? Yeah, I have a, sure. I, ha- I do not have a science background. Uh, I have a uh, bachelor's and master's degree in journalism. Uh, so I came up uh, as a newspaper person for about uh, eight years and then uh, moved into um, public relations. I've worked primarily at energy companies. Uh, but back in 2011, Citizens Energy Group acquired the water and wastewater utilities here in, in Indianapolis. So I spent a lot of time uh, learning a great deal about the water and wastewater systems here in Indiana. Um, Always had a real interest, of course, in 
uh, in water since I've been a, a fisherman since I was a uh, since, since I was a kid, and um, and I've seen I've seen tremendous progress made in other cities. Um, you know, I was uh, recently the Indy Star did an article about the Dig Indy project, and they were questioning whether the tunnel system would be effective. You know, in the years ahead with climate change and increased rainfall, and 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 the bottom line is it will be. Uh, it's already proving to be. But as I was talking to the reporter, um, I tried to impress upon her the the tremendous progress that's been made in the United States uh, since the formation of US EPA. I mean, US EPA is arguably the most beat up federal agency on both ends of the political spectrum. But the, the fact of the matter is I'm 63 years old and in my lifetime, you know, when I was a, a little kid growing up in the 1960s and then in uh, high school and college in the 70s, the air and water in this country was significantly uh, impacted. You know, the Lake Erie was, Lake Erie was nearly dead. Uh, Lake Michigan was on its way. I grew up in the Chicago area. And all the rivers and streams in the Chicago area were heavily polluted, very, very little game fish population. Right. Um, and Chicago built a tunnel system, it, a wastewater tunnel system in the 1990s. Um, it was one of the first in the country. And now the rivers and streams in the Chicago area are fish, are, have game fish in them again. Yeah, I mean the state uh, record, that, the state record smallmouth just that? got caught off of the one of the piers in Chicago, I believe, uh, last year. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was the summer, I think. And yeah. that, that, and to put that in perspective, that would have been unimaginable, you know, uh, 50, 40, 50 years ago when I was a kid, that was unimaginable. Um, so th- that's what happens when you make these kind of investments. And those are the kind of investments we're making here in Indianapolis. So by 2025, uh, the Dig Indy Tunnel System, which is a 28-mile network of concrete tunnels drilled in bedrock, 250 feet below Marion County, when that system is done in 2025, 99% of the sewer overflows that occur in Marion County in a given year will be eliminated. Uh, so what does that you know what does that mean? So uh, on an annual basis, without a dig indie system, up to six billion gallons of sewage could go into the river. Um, That's not this, good. <laughs> I, no, in fact, you know, I, I was reading this history, and it's really interesting that White River's been impacted for a long, long time, um, all the way back to the turn of the century. Um, you know, I read this one article that said downstream of Indianapolis in the early 1900s, there was about a hundred miles, almost a hundred mile stretch of river that was virtually dead. And it was from Indianapolis, you know, cause if you look on the white river, just look at a map of Indiana, you know, there's a number of cities that impact it, but nothing like Indianapolis. Indianapolis is the biggest right. source of pollution on the river, Marion County. And then, South of Indianapolis, there's, as you know, there's very little along the river except farmland. Um, so these wastewater system investments are so important. You know, at the turn of the century, there were virtually no sewage, sewage systems in, the, in anywhere in Indiana. And um, but still, even when there were sewage systems, they were discharging large amounts of overflow to the rivers. So that's going to be eliminated between now and in 2025 and and i think what you and i'm not a fish biologist but i think what you'll see happen um if you've been on the river in very various places and i've not been on the on the river south of here but i've been on of indy but i've been on the river several locations to the north up to around anderson and then of course all through uh, you know noblesville and then here in the northern part of marion county and it's like two different, completely different bodies of water. If you get in the river, oh I, yeah, um, we we definitely know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you get in maybe, the river, maybe maybe in twenty twenty five, 
you'll have a reason to come to the south side, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you will because, um, and I, I'm not basing this on any science. I'm really basing it on uh, my experience in other cities where they've made these investments. So, you know, as you guys know, if you go to say Broad Ripple area and north of there, uh, there's a tremendous uh, smallmouth bass bass fishery all the way up to Anderson. You know, trophy smallmouth. Um, but as you get into the city, the sewer overflow um, uh, area starts at basically the fairgrounds, 38th Street, and really used to go all the way to the county line. Well, in um, 2017, we opened the first leg of the tunnel system, and that first leg goes from um, just south of Lucas Oil Stadium all the way to the county line. So since 2017, that first section of tunnel is open, so the sewer overflows have been sh- have been closed off um, in in southern Marion County. So since 2017, we've kept about 1.6 billion gallons of sewage would have went into the river just in that stretch from Lucas Oil Stadium to the wow. to the uh, to the county line. And that's because of and the, that's dirty the, South Sider sewage too. That's not you know that's not organic eating Whole no, Foods eating North Side people. That's <laughs> these are trash pork rind eating South Siders, <laughs> which I think that you got to count that. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. We both live on the south side, in case you didn't know this. (laughs) I figured that. I figured that out. But the great thing is, so what, you know, the way the system works, it's it's gravity-fed. So, um, you know, Marion County literally goes downhill with the river. So, uh, and the system's largely under the river. So we build that first section, and then we're building our way north. And when the whole system's done, it's not just the White River. We have a, a leg that... Much of it goes right up the the White River. Then we have a, a big leg that goes all the way up Fall Creek. Another one that goes up uh, Pogues Run, which is a kind of urban stream on the south side. Hmm. And then Pleasant Run will be the actually the last leg, Pleasant Run Creek. Uh, and there's also actually the on that first leg that opened, uh, it was it it was under the White River and then also under the south part of Eagle Creek. So all the uh, sewer overflows that were going into the south end of Eagle Creek are, have, have now been eliminated as well. Mm-hmm. And what you see over time in places like Milwaukee and Chicago is once you stop dumping sewage into a river, you know, sewage is a, basically a fertilizer. So it's going to create a lot of, you know, it's going to first it's going to knock down the oxygen content of the water which, as you guys know, that changes the fish population because, right. you know, species like smallmouth uh, can't survive. So you're left with, you know, carp and catfish. Uh, so what we've seen in other cities like Milwaukee and Chicago is streams like, in, say, in the Chicago area, like the Chicago River or the Des Plaines River, um, that when I was a kid were pretty much dead zones, you know, carp and catfish. Um, you know, now in the, you know, Des Plaines River, you have muskie. Wow. You know, you That'd have, be pretty you have cool. Mu- have muskie downtown. You have smallmouth, small you know. And when I was a kid in the whole Chicago area, and I lived waste, I was a south sider as well. I lived actually in Tinley Park uh, and then later in high school in Frankfort, Illinois, south suburb. But in the whole Chicago area, the only place you could catch smallmouth was the Kankakee River. And the Kankakee River is, you know, for people in Chicago, that's considered like downstate. It's like, you know, 50 miles from Chicago. Right. But now, as you suggest, you can catch smallmouth in downtown Chicago in the harbors there in, in Lake Michigan. Yeah. There was um, a, a. Do you ever go to like the fly fishing film tour, Dan? No. They did a. There was a guy that was a. He was a one of the videos he was uh, fly fishing off of one of the piers in, in uh, Lake Michigan, because I mean, sure, you know, it's something that they can do now. It's not a recreational opportunity they had, uh, before. So, uh, I was going to, I did want to get to a, a few questions here. Cause we, you know, one of the sure, main reasons ahead. we wanted to bring you on was, 
um, to talk about this this rock ramp. And obviously the dig sure. indie the the dig indie thing. Uh, I don't I don't want to move past uh, that because yeah, I mean let's talk about be, the rock ramp. Yeah. yeah, because the, the dig indie thing for us, especially as Southsiders, and I fish the South Side pretty frequently. I mean, it is a it, it is a huge impact, and I mean it's a a huge investment. And it's something that we're all, anybody who's serious about smallmouth fishing in Indiana is, should be excited and should be engaged in and know about the Dig Indy project because, you know, it's, it's a really big deal now. And one more question about that before we move on, right. um, sure. did, did that come from, was that grant money or is that ratepayer money yeah. or how, how did you guys come it's about rate, that? Rate, it's ratepayer money. Okay. Yeah. So the in Chicago, uh, when they built their system in the '90s, there were federal grants for that sort of thing, and part of their system was paid for by federal grants. But by the time citizen, uh, Indianapolis got around to negotiating a, what they call a consent decree with the with US EPA, and consent decree is basically a contract that says you will build this. And when we acquired, when citizens acquired the the wastewater system from from the city. We acquired that consent decree, so um, the uh, there were no federal grants. It's paid for through ratepayer dollars and debt. And as you can imagine, with we're spending a little over two billion with a B, two billion dollars uh, in about in about a uh, twelve year period or thirteen year period. Um, if you put all that money into rates right away, there'd be massive rate increases, massive rate shock. So we are, uh, Citizens is a nonprofit utility. So we're very much like a municipal utility. Um, we're not a private corporation. We don't have stock. Uh, we're actually held under what's called a trust. And because of that, we right. can borrow money just like a municipal utility can at very low rates. So a lot of the Dignity Project is funded through 30-year bonds. Gotcha. So it'll be paid off over the next 30 to 40 years. Uh, it, you know, it's really built to last. I mean, it's it's you know, concrete tunnel and bedrock. So it it's you know, it's got a long life. And uh, it's got expansion in mind, right? I mean, obviously, you guys it, didn't. It can be. It can be. It could possibly be expanded. I mean, we built it on a scale that we believe will will serve the the community for you know fifty or more years. Okay, that's what um, I was asking. So it's not on, based, it's not scaled on yeah. population today, but but population. No, it, yeah, exactly. It's okay. it's scaled it's scaled to last the city for for uh, you know for many many years to come. You know, we also in addition to building the tunnel, we we during this short, relatively short period, we doubled the size. We have two advanced wastewater treatment plants. Those plant sizes doubled. They're actually both located on the south side, Belmont. Yeah, yeah and then the other not one surprisingly, not surprisingly, yeah. on the south side, they they put you know right. all the energy and wastewater treatment on the south side. So, well, you know, yeah. I, like I said, it. it it flows down this you way. Know, it, yeah. it flows downhill. I, yeah. I, I hate to yeah. say that, but it does because that's how, yeah. you know, that's how the county literally that's the topography. pitches to the south. Right. You know, it, it, that's how the topography is. So that, you know, that's how, uh, how the system works. And, uh, well, maybe uh, we're just very, you know, we, I mean, just one last thing on digging. Yeah. We sure. have a lot of young engineers that are working on this project and there's a real sense of excitement. You know, these, these folks know that they're working on a project that will have a huge impact on quality of life here in Indianapolis for the next, whatever, 50 years. And you don't get an opportunity to work on a project. Now, you know, a lot of companies don't have an opportunity to do something like that. So we're really, I mean, there's a real sense of excitement about it. And there's, and there absolutely should be, I mean, it, it really is exciting, but um, it, I guess this kind of naturally segues into maybe our yeah uh, the one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, so one of the, you know I used to do like a like a cleanup project there on the south side, like right at the uh, you know used used to be able to pull down under the bridge at Southport Road and and mm-hmm. fish down there, and obviously that's citizens' right. property. 
Um, right. And I used to clean up down there. You know, I'd take loads and loads of trash out of there because people trash it. Um, yeah. And I always wondered if citizens could invest money to build, um, you know, like a ramp there, a public access site. Um, and I guess my question for you is, does does citizens, since it's a public utility and a lot of it's based on, uh, you know, rate payer money and stuff like that, right. are there left and right limits from the, I, you know, the uh, Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission on what like what we, that money can right. be spent on in the way of recreation. Yeah, yeah there, there, there's very strict limits. So we're basically not allowed to spend money on any kind of recreational uh, use. So when we build it, when we build infrastructure, it has to be uh, for the um, operation of the utility. So, for example, um up in, at Geist Reservoir and at Morse, Re- Morse Reservoir. We own those reservoirs. Uh-huh. There's houses around both of those reservoirs. And people frequently complain about weeds in the lake, um, you know, invasive weeds like milfoil. Um, sure. they, you know, they complain about uh, algal blooms. Yeah. Uh, they complain about shallow water because those are fairly old reservoirs. And our answer is, we don't manage the reservoirs for recreation. Same with the river. We, we, we really can't spend money on recreation. That said, you know, we can talk about the rock ramp here in a minute. Yeah. Um, this kind of a natural segue. We, we chose a rock ramp structure rather than a dam because we know it will be better for recreation. Um, and, we're going to at the same time we need to build it as at, at the you know at at the lowest possible cost because our ratepayers are paying for it so we um uh, if that makes sense um yeah it, so make, it to, makes sense to me about? i guess so in a situation like uh you know the rock ramp that makes perfect sense now it you can make the the land that citizens owns available for public use, right? That's yeah, that that's definitely uh, certainly possible. I mean, there's yeah, that's that's definitely possible. Okay. I think we could probably talk about that. Uh, you want me to talk a little bit about the rock ramp? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you kind of describe what, what the rock ramp is? Yeah, well, well why yeah. don't you kind of so, describe what the what exactly the precipitating event that led up to sure. the necessity? Sure. Um, yeah, and it was quite it was quite an event. <laughs> so the largest uh, the largest what was not, what are known as lowhead dams, and the largest lowhead dam in Marion County um, was uh, a dam called the Emmerichsville Dam. It's, it was it was located just south of 16th Street on the White River, and that dam was built in 1889. And it was built by the city of Indianapolis and was still owned by the city of Indianapolis. And it was built for recreation purposes. It was built to make what became known as Lake Indy. It's kind of a misnomer. It really wasn't a lake, but it made the river wider from 16th Street all the way up through Riverside Park and really up almost to I-65. And um, in 2018... Citizens uh, opened uh, what we call the uh, the White River Intake, and that is located just north of 30th Street. And what that intake does, and this is a little complicated, but right next to the river there, literally right next to the river there, is the Central Canal. And a lot of people, very few people know this, but the Central Canal in Indianapolis from Broad Ripple all the way down to 16th Street. Not the canal you see downtown. The city owns that. But the Central Canal from Broad Ripple to 16th Street is owned by Citizens Energy Group, previously owned by the water company. Um, uh, And that canal is used to transport water from the White River to our largest water treatment plant at... uh, right off of 16th street the white river treatment plant okay so its biggest source of supply comes from that canal the reason we built that intake on the river right next to the canal north of 30th street was 
in case something ever happened to the canal and things have happened to the canal in, pa- in the past, there have been spills in the canal, there's been breaches of the canal bank. If we lose the canal for any period of time, we lose almost all our supply to our largest treatment plant. So that's why that intake is so important that we build there north of 30th Street. We can also use it during a drought right. as well. So if, so if for some reason happened? the canal is shut down, you have this intake we're, that you can turn on to take water right. directly from the river. Right. Yeah, so we opened that in the summer of 2018. In October of 2018, the Emmerichsville Dam uh breached the large hole developed on the east or west side of the of the dam citizens and the city went out there and tried to plug the hole with a lot of rock to try to shore up the dam water was up and in a couple of weeks into november uh, early november the whole there was a the dam began to fail uh, you know catastrophic failure of, of the dam. So if you go out there today, the dam's gone. It, it's it's washed away. And our intake north of 30th Street uh, is um, throughout most of the year is unusable because the water's just, right. yeah, it's returned to its shallow state that we see along much of the White River. So we need to replace that um you know, pool. We need to bring that pool back that was created by Emmerichsville. So we looked at a variety of options, and very early on, we we knew that um, first of all, no one was ever going to want another low head dam on the river. They're, Certainly, they're public dangerous. the prevailing public opinion is against the creation of right, and it's not dams. just the, not just because of recreational purposes, but regulatory agencies don't want them there either. They're not good for the fish population. They're right. certainly dangerous. Uh, so we knew that early on. Okay. Um, so we very quickly moved to the rock ramp design that we're seeing used all across the United States. And we looked at six, we looked at several locations along the the river from just north of Emmerichsville Dam all the way up to near our intake at 30th Street. And we've done a lot of community meetings on this and and there's been a lot of um uh, vigorous debate, um, and we've narrowed now the locations to two locations. Uh, the cheapest or the the least expensive would be uh, just north of 30th Street, pretty close to our intake. But the community, uh, the Riverside community, really uh, was it has been very um, uh, adamant that they want uh, Lake Indy restored. And what we've told the community is um, we can't put it down in Emmerichsville. And the reason being the cost. Because by the time you get that far south, the river is significantly wider. And the rock ramp would have to be approximately 1,000 feet long. And further north, we've identified another site in Riverside Park about 500 feet south of the boat ramp where we could put a rock ramp it would cost a little more than the site to the north north of 30th street but it would still be about the same size as the one north of 30th street about about 350 to 400 feet long Mm -hmm. and for your listeners what a rock ramp is it's it's really similar to a natural structure it's a series of uh, large stones arranged in an arc pattern in the river in the base of the river and it it will back up the river like a dam will uh but it won't um you know create a hazard like a low head dam you know the the dam the dam at emmerichsville dropped 17 feet um and this has a you know straight down a sheer drop this has a two percent slope the the rock ramp the either one if we the either at 30th or in Riverside Park it would have a two percent slope so uh, by comparison a uh, um, a ramp on a sidewalk is like eight percent so oh, this wow. is very very um, gentle slope it would create um, you know people have asked us will we create white water 
And our answer is no. It, in high water, in very high water conditions, the rock ramp would just be submerged. You wouldn't even see it. The water would go over the top. And in, you know, kind of moderate conditions where, you know, the rocks are still exposed, we've been told it would create maybe a class two, uh, a class two rapid, which as you, hey. you all probably know is not, you know, class two is not, it's not recreational, <laughs> uh, for whitewater, well, no, but, but for Indiana, it's, but, uh, it's probably the biggest yeah, whitewater it, around. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it's not, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's not, right. you know, it's class one is, is, you know, barely a rapid class two is a little bit better than that. Right. And that's only under certain water conditions. So what we will do though, regardless of which of the two we pick, um, we will put a portage in upstream of the rock ramp. There will be a well-marked portage, um, and we'll advise people to get out and take their canoe or kayak around the rock ramp. Now, can people navigate the rock ramp? Sure. In, in a lot of water conditions, they'll be able to navigate the rock ramp. Huh. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's great. So, so who... And the other, the other important thing about... The other important advantage is the aquatic life because with a rock ramp fish and other aquatic life can move up and down the stream whereas you know with a rock, low head dam no they're it, they're it's a big cut off. roadblock right yeah they're cut off yeah okay well that's that's fantastic so i'm assuming that either citizens energy group or you or citizens in collaboration with idem or the department of natural resources there mm-hmm. there's a team of uh, scientists that have sort of weighed in on the location and the uh, effects right. on well, species sure. and stuff? Yeah, so what we've done, you know, we've engaged first an engineering firm to, you know, look at the various designs. We did, we have had meetings, some initial meetings with, um, we have to get permits from Indiana Department of Natural Resources, uh, Indiana Department of Environmental Management, and the mm-hmm. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Right, because this because um, the base because it's a navigable waterway, so technically the that's correct the floor the you know the the bottom of the river is owned by the state of Indiana, right? So you have that's, to get that. That's correct. Okay. We are a guest, and the initial reaction from the permitting agencies is great. You're building a rock ramp. They're all in favor of rock ramps. Good. Um, and you know we have we have other lowhead dams on the river. You know, we're hopeful over time, and we can't just go out and start replacing dams. They're very expensive, but we think over time, you know, we will move to, yeah, you know, as we, as, as a, in the future, as dams have to be replaced, we would certainly, you know, use the, we certainly expect we will use the rock ramp design. Uh, it's, it's safer for the public. Uh, certainly, it's better for the, you know, the fish population aquatic life in the river mm-hmm. it's actually also better for the riverbed uh you know the the dam at uh, emmerichsville it it it's like a big washing machine so it scours the bottom it churns a lot of it creates a lot of sediment sure um, um you know um turbulence in the river uh turbidity in the river yeah. and this is literally it's like this is like a natural um structural like a riffle almost or something like that it, yeah. it, it, exactly exactly yeah. and if you you know if you canoe and kayak the white river like you all do you there's little rock ramps all along the river yeah. that mother nature has, has laid down it's essentially know, just to me that's what it reminds me of just an artificial riffle you know mm-hmm. and you've cr- you're creating a giant pool is what you're doing so um yeah so one you one know, question I'd that be, i kind of had I'd, for I'd, you go ahead uh, on the yeah. you know what once this thing is installed, this this rock ramp is installed. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It say you know f- every every spring it floods, you know, and there get mm-hmm. there get to be log jams and stuff like that 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 stack up at the top. Is that? Oh yeah. Whose whose responsibility will it be to you know to clean that, that out? Be, and that will be that will be our responsibility. Citizens will maintain. The rock ramp, so we will remove, you know, debris, logs, whatever, because those will Perfect. occur on the White River, obviously. Any river yeah. will have that, that issue. So we'll be out there 
every year we'll maintain that structure just like we maintain all the other infrastructure that that we have and it's uh you know we consider that ramp to be a really important structure for this you know this the security of the water supply you know when we tell we went to public meetings we we explained to people you know there's not there's very few businesses out there that have to guarantee 100 percent reliability elevator you know, companies just, elevator right. companies and you guys yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we do we have to have water in people's homes every day and you know we have to have we have to deliver natural gas to your home on the coldest day of the year and we can't you know we can't come close you know this isn't you know we have to make sure the supply is there and then it's safe sure drinking water for folks and that structure helps a secure supply for our largest plant so to put that in perspective that plant produces water for a, the the White River Treatment Plant produces water for about 600,000 people. So it's really important that we have, you know, uh, you know, we, we make sure that supply could not be interrupted to that plant. Um, so that's why the ramp is, you know, yeah. is, is so important to us. Well, I guess I kind of maybe skipped over this when you were, you were saying that you guys consulted with IDEM and the Department of Natural Resources. We were, were there... Uh, were there environmental scientists that that weighed in on the on the resident species and the you know the ecology of the river and how how this type of uh, structure would affect that? Because I know that well, I, you know when the dam yeah. breached, the the water level right. obviously dropped significantly in that you know area between Sixteenth Street and Broad Ripple, um, right. and you know this is anecdotal. But I'll tell you that the smallmouth bass fishing had never been better in that stretch of river, other you know, before this year. Uh, it, has there been any science, you know, any any scientific studies of what you know the impact, the environmental impact of this? You know, we've just done some initial engineering studies. This will go through once we submit and once we select a site which i think we'll probably will likely do in the next several weeks probably april or may we'll select a site and once we do that we will do a um a more a, a more complete design based on that particular site we will then submit that to dnr and to idem and the army corps um but what we've told people to date is the rock ramp will it will um, it will create the pool like Emmerichsville did, but it at the same time will restore more of the natural flow of the river. So, you know, folks in Riverside Park are understandably upset because for five, four or five generations, they're used to a wide. Sl- a fairly wide, slow river through Riverside Park. Right. And what you see through Riverside Park now looks like what the river looks like through most of its um, expanse across Indiana. Well, because you it, could, it's a it's a shallow sand bottom river, and I mean, people yeah, just didn't know that. I mean, you could launch a like a full size powerboat on, at Riverside Park previously. You could. Is correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes but sense from a from a common sense perspective that this would be the best possible option. I mean, uh, I just didn't know right. if there if there was if it was going to be subject to a scientific study or an environmental impact. Uh, there won't be a full there won't be a full environmental impact statement or study, but there will be. And as part of the design, there's you know there's in there's an environmental assessment as part of the design. And of course the permitting agencies will look at it very closely. I mean, this isn't uh, the first rock ramp in Indiana and certainly there's many of them around the country. They're considered, you know, certainly much better for the, um, the aquatic life in the river and for what, you know, for, um, the diversity of the fish po- fish population because the fish can move back and forth through the through the structure. You know, rock ramps have been built all over the country to restore spawning runs on on the river on rivers. Um, 
uh, and in this case, it'll allow you know fish to to move up and down the stream. I don't know what the impact will, you know, what the impact on the fish species are. Um, you know, there's been there hasn't been a lot of studies, at least that that I found recently, of the White River of the fish population. Uh, there were de- some done in the early 2000s. You know, you recall. Yeah. Uh, there, I guess it's there was 21 a, years ago. Yeah, the there were a series bill. of them. Yeah. Right. So the guides bill was one of the worst. There was actually one bigger than that in 1976, but um, here right in Marion County. But uh, the guide spill was, was a terrible spill. It, you know, killed fish from Anderson all the way into Indianapolis. Right. And uh, there were a lot of restoration efforts made as part of the settlement on that uh, that uh, issue or that uh, uh, spill, uh, part of the settlement with the, the company was to restore the fish population in the river. And actually, as they, as scientists have studied that, the the spill actually you know killed a lot of invasive species from the river. You know uh, the, that had overpopulated carp and 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 other species. And then they were actually able to restock the river. Um, and it was really at an opportune time because at the same time, cities up and down the river, uh, Indianapolis and Anderson and Muncie, they were all making investments in their wastewater system. So over that time, there's been big improvements in water quality uh, from the in the last 15 years. And then they restocked the river. So really the river from Anderson here to Indianapolis uh, is, you know, a tremendous fishery at least oh, yeah, anecdotally it's... from, from yeah. what I uh, folks I've talked to. And then uh, even further downstream, I've had friends that go down like around uh, a Spencer and there's walleye in the river down there and, and also smallmouth. Yeah. Um, I, caught, I caught like a 33 inch walleye right south of Harding street two years ago so wow yeah there's there's definitely yeah. uh you know it's it's making a comeback and due in large part to the investments by uh people like you using both their time uh energy skills uh dedicating it to what i believe to be a very worthy cause um oh, and i just want to say thank you and thank you yeah. very much for coming on the show we really yeah uh, is there anything else that you you know you you want to talk about obviously you got to we got a few minutes here before uh, yeah. Joshy Poo's got to go no. to sleep. So, anything else? I, I just, you know, we're just excited about what's ahead. You know, we, you know, the the, but we want people to understand what the white. You know, I think people need to get a further understanding of what the White River actually is. It's as you you all know, it's it's not a river that you're going to run up and down on water skis. Okay. Right. It's a it's a low it's a natural low flow river. So it's a wonderful it's really a wonderful uh sand bottom stream with a really pretty diverse fish population. We you know, I see that only getting better and the people at Citizens see that only getting better uh, in in the years ahead. And you know, you mentioned something earlier about trash. You know, that's a cultural problem here in Indiana that we all need to work on. Um, you know, there's it, Indiana in many respects, you know, culturally is very much like a Southern state in many respects. And for generations, our rivers and streams in Indiana, especially in central to Southern Indiana have been neglected. I mean, there's some nice streams in Southern Indiana, but you know, the major streams like the, the Wabash and the and the white, the various sections of the White River have been neglected and used as a dumping ground, and not just by cities and towns, but by people. So we have a White River cleanup event every year that we sponsor with Friends of the White River, and they literally remove thousands of pounds of trash every year. I mean, this April we're going to be in the Riverside Park area, and you know people need to stop that. You know they need to. And we're hopeful over time as the river gets cleaner and people start to use it more, they'll respect it more. And you won't see people dumping, you know, old chairs and refrigerators and other um, 
junk and garbage in the river. And, you know, that, that, that part of Indiana culture, you know, I think can change as people get out on the river and experience it. Cause it's a beautiful waterway, you know? Yeah. And, um, and just know that if Josh Shrinko sees you dumping a chair in the white river, he's going to whip out his beret and roundhouse <laughs> kick you in the belly button. So, uh, I wanna, jo- did I Josh, do did you that. have any, you were you're acting like you had a question. I did. I've been dominating. Chris is clearly dominating. He Dan, he's been he's been giddy over this interview the past past few days, just so you know. Um so I just had one question for you. So this is more in relation to the the rock tunnel project. Right. So one, when is the completion date? Um and I guess more importantly what what do you think the first thing that we're going to notice, um, like the public will notice on the river um, when that that starts to really... Now, I know we talked about game fish. But just uh, I know there's a lot of city planning going on and making that riverfront more of a um, developed area where people can enjoy, you know, using it as a recreation. I actually heard there was a beach planned, which I think is crazy yeah, when you think I, about it right now. Yeah. We're not, we're not real excited about. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure you're we're not. not real excited about the beach. Well, and it's because it's a river. You know, rivers aren't. Right. Good. There's very few places where rivers are good places to swim. Uh, right. Because yeah. the water's moving, and the rivers inherent inherently dangerous to swim in. Um, but the yeah. I, so I, I'm sorry. Your question again is. You know, just like what kind of like practical things are we going to see like visually? Oh, okay, yeah, right. What what do we expect? Yeah, now, again, I'm not a scientist, but based on what I've seen in other cities that have installed systems like this, you're going to see a clearer river. You're going to see um, certainly this, the, you know, the river now smells, you know, because there's sewage in the river. So when you stop putting sewage, you know, the river is a dynamic body of water. It's cleaning itself out every spring. You know, billions of gallons of water go down that river every year. And when you stop dumping billions of gallons of sewage into the river, you'll see, you know, just better overall water quality. So higher mm-hmm. oxygen levels, so, which means, you know, um, that, you know, the game fish population should, you know, grow and, and uh, you know, spread. Um, from areas to the north, you'll see uh, the river will just look better. It will smell better. Uh, it'll be we clearer. Come, we come home with the White River things. stench all over us. <laughs> Our wives right. know the smell very right. well. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I think that's what you can expect. Uh, I think that's what you can expect over time. I mean, that's what's happened. You know, the Chicago, that, that's the Chicago River. There's people fishing in the Chicago River. That was unimaginable. When I was a kid, I mean, the Chicago River, you know, that's that's where the mafia guys dumped the bodies, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. that's not, you know, the Chicago River was so polluted. The Army Corps of Engineers figured out a way to reverse the flow. It used to flow into Lake Michigan, but Chicago had its water intakes out in the lake and the plume was creating such a problem. They figured out a way to make it flow west. Hmm. Uh, that's how bad it was. That's and crazy. now it's, you know, uh, you know, now they're having debates in their, in Chicago about whether you could actually swim in the Chicago river. Um, so yeah, I think you're going to see a dramatic improvement in water quality, fish populations over time. Um, and you know, we're, we're excited about that. And as each stage of this tunnel system opens, you're going to start to see progress by the end of 2025. We are ahead of schedule. Uh, so it could open before the end of 2025. We have to have it done by the end of 2025, but we're we're uh, pretty sure it'll be built uh, well in advance of the end of 2025. Yeah, so that's, it's it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. As a sportsman, you you've been able to, you know, have a really like bird's eye view of what's going on, so, and you know, have so an impact when you on said, it. When you when you said bird's eye view. Let me give you an example, and this is hilarious. So I was in uh, Broad Ripple uh, a couple years ago in the, in the fall. It's in October. And um, I was fishing, and I'm going to give it away here, guys. I was fishing below the Westfield Boulevard Bridge. 
Hang on. My Hang on. You got to my... give us the Google Maps, uh, the latitude <laughs> longitude of that. So, <laughs> this is the hot so stretch the for the river. episode. I'm on the river and I'm smallmouth fishing. And as it typically is in October, the water is pretty low. And in October, the river up in Broad Whipple is just gin clear. You can see straight to the bottom. So mm-hmm. I'm right there below the, the Westfield Boulevard Bridge. And I'm fishing along. And I had a pretty good day. I've you know, caught several nice smallmouths. And there's a guy up on the bridge. Uh, they're doing some kind of highway work uh, or street work on the Westfield Bridge, Boulevard Bridge. And they got it closed to, on one lane. And there's a guy standing in the middle of the bridge with a stop sign. And I look up and I wave to him. And he goes, and he looks down and he goes, hey, there's a bunch of bass right over there. And I'm throwing the wacky worm at him, you know. And he goes, no, 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 not there. Over that way some more. And he was he was literally <laughs> spotting me. Nice. And I think I sent you a picture of that fish. It oh, looked pretty nice. That was a monster. Yeah, it was a it was a twenty inch smallmouth. So it's probably well, that's a four a, pound smallmouth. That's a and new uh, that's a new technique. We're gonna bridge spot <laughs> each other. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, you hear about these guys using drones. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could if it's clear enough. Use a, yeah, use a drone. But I had this guy. You know, a, a guy with a hard hat on saying, no, cast over there. And I cast <laughs> right over where he said, and boom, I got this four-pound smallmouth. So, you should have let him take a picture with it. <laughs> I, I, I Have credit. All right. Well, hey, hey, Dan, we really appreciate your time. Thanks very much for okay. coming on the podcast. And, uh you yeah, know, you'll, he, have to, you'll have to send me a text, and we'll set up. Maybe you could, maybe you could take us on a tour of Dig Indy. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we could do that awesome. I'd, do I'd that. be game I would you, love to do that get, I, I actually get you down to the tunnel that'd be awesome yeah yeah okay all right cool all right, thanks, all right. well hey thanks Dan appreciate right. your time all right bye-bye all right bye and as always free the fight baby